CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Vote now. You pack the Make court? sure you, in fact, let people know he doesn't want you're to a senator. The I'm not going to answer the question. Why because, wouldn't you answer that because question? Because the you question is, the question is, the radical question, left. Will you who shut is up, on, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? <laughs> this Who's is on your so list? Right. Gentlemen, is, I think this we've is ended so this. unprecedented. We have ended this segment. Gentlemen, 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 I don't know what to do right now. Gentlemen. Will you shut up, man? Give that guy a raise, Chris Wallace. Oh, gentlemen. Huh? <laughs> That's actually not a bad imitation of Wallace. That's a little uh, Mitch McConnell, if you ask me. Yeah, you're heading to Mitch McConnell. Coach. Mitch McConnell's all false, 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 false. Chris Wallace. <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm scared. Poor Wallace. Huh? Everybody's criticizing him. Now, one person who's criticized him has said what he would do or she would do. Just saying that. Just throwing it out there. It's the president of the United States. And right now, MAGA hat wearers everywhere are saying he was too tough on the president. How about that? 45% of the country thinks he's too tough on the president. Wow. So oh. give a break to Chris Wallace. Okay. Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen. <laughs> ben is fired up today, guys. All right. Uh, your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, October 1st. Oh, happy October, Ben. Mm, October fest. It's breaking out all over. Is I see it? a pumpkin. Whoa. Oh, pumpkins everywhere. In the alley. Uh, your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, October 1st is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International <laughs> Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. <laughs> I'll clean that up after the show. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at Architecture dot org forward slash tours the stories of the city begin at the cac let me tell you about voting by mail voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone Normally, vote-by-mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote-by-mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard 
safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit VoteMailChicago.com. That's VoteMailChicago.com for call scripts and a petition. One more time. Vote. V-O-T-E. Mail. M-A-I-L. Chicago. C-H-I-C-H-E-O. Dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct. Your song of the day request does come from Frank, as always. Mm -hmm. He is now our uh, Ben Jarofsky show song requester. Mm Mm-hmm. Your song of the day, Soul Man by Sam and Dave. Soul Man. I'll just do the guitar. Soul Man. That's the Sam and Dave version. I'm not going to do the Blues Brother version, okay, Dave? That's the Sam and Dave version. We wouldn't be able to tell the difference, honestly, but sure. I love the guitar, though. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Thursday, October 1st, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, director of the Black Harvest Film Festival, the one and the only Sergio Mims, makes his return. And now your host, he's a soul man, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this MAGA Brain Thursday, and here's why. I took a trip into the brain of MAGA this morning. My ticket, as always, an email. I get tons of emails from MAGA. MAGA sends me about 20 emails an hour. So let's do the math. The carry one, take away two. Hold on. That's the calculator. That's 480 a day. 3,360 a year, 13,440 a month, or 1,612,000 a year. Hey, you got Dan Biss in your attic helping you out with those numbers. Is he back there? Look under that table. I did the math. It's like watching a bad episode of The Twilight Zone on acid. When I say MAGA, I mean all the Trump lovers in the universe. The people who love Trump so much, they feel compelled to put their names on the emails, which get sent to me. Not sure why they found me, but because I haven't discontinued it, they just keep piling on. I get them from Tim Scott and Newt Gingrich and Tom Cotton and the Tea Party and a whole assortment of very various Trumpsters. Lara, Ivanka. Baby Donnie, Eric, even Melania every now and then sends one. I think it's part of the prenup agreement. All right, I got to send one. Okay. You know you can cancel those emails, right? Well, that's the whole point. Oh, by the way, I just want to say one thing. Baron has not sent one yet. They've not put that poor kid to work. (laughs) Uh, Yes, you can cancel. Here's the thing. I said, you know what? Being a good investigative reporter, I'm going to see what's in the brain of MAGA. And I won't cancel. But then the problem is, MAGA just keeps sending them. And I realized that MAGA, their sense of this election is that it's going to come down to old people, baby boomers, and even people older than baby boomers. They're the only people who still read their emails, D. 
I know this because whenever I see a millennial's phone, there's like 1,342 piled up emails. I'm going, how could you clean that out? Guilty. I'm guilty of that. Oh, Boomer. <laughs> oh, Boomer. What do they always say to Boomer? I forget. I got to ask Romana. Okay, Boomer. There That's it where is. They go. Okay, yeah, okay, Boomer. boomer. <laughs> boomers deserve it. What a worthless generation. And I say that as one. Sorry, Boomers. Anyway, Boomers don't clean out. The, the boomers don't accumulate them. They read their emails. That's what Trump's theory is. So we're just going to keep sending them. So I said, you know what? I'll, I just want to see what the Tea Party's up to. So I'm not going to. That was the first I think I got. Uh, so I'm not going to discontinue. And as a result, I think they just sell their email list to other outfits. So now I'm getting them from everybody. Lucky Dear you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's not even every day. It's beyond that. It's every minute of every hour. I get to take a trip into the brain of MAGA. The latest emails come from a guy in Minnesota named Mike Lindell. Hi, Mike. True confession time. I'd never heard of Mike Lindell until his email started showing up on my phone. So I did a little digging. I looked him up on the Internet. Yes, yes, you too can be an investigative reporter. Turns out he's a super rich dude from Minnesota who made a pile of money with something called My Pillow. D, have you ever heard of My Pillow? Have I heard of it? I got like five of them on my bed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, me too. I got pillows, <laughs> but there's pillows, and then there's My Pillow. Okay? So if you can make a fortune selling pillows to Americans, which you really are, it's not a pillow manufacturer, but a huckster. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that's what you are. And in the category of Huskers loving hucksters, Mike Den- Mike Lindell really loves Donnie Trump. I don't think love quite sums it up. I can't think of a word that adequately describes the adoration Lindell feels for President Donnie. It's more like he fervently wants to be Donald Trump. Anyway, he sent out a fundraising pitch for Trump that includes the following line, which I will now quote. Hold on. <clears throat> Take a drink of water. There you go. There you go. No one's waiting or anything. Go ahead. Oh, God. You know, the water just keeps getting better and better in my house. I think it's something to do with the pandemic. The water is delicious. Love that water. Love that chicken from Popeye's. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. (laughs) God, do I miss Popeye's? You know, I don't eat much Popeye's anymore, D, but just thinking You're missing out on that chicken sandwich. Hot damn, it's good. I got to get over there. Anyway, quote. Hold on. Let me allow the brown line to go by before I read this quote. Oh, there we go. Drink of water, brown line. Boy, you are such a tease. (laughs) Here it comes. Mike Lindell, quote, I said it before and I'll say it again. Donald Trump is the best president in the history of our nation, end of quote. And he has history in all caps to emphasize like the whole history, not just like the last four or five years history, not just the last, you know, century history, but the whole thing. Now, Mike, I can sort of maybe understand how somebody would want to vote for Donnie Trump for one reason or another. I can't buy into it, but I guess, D, I'm really open-minded. I could sort of understand it. I mean, if you hate paying taxes, he did cut the tax rate for the highest earner. So if you're, like, really against taxes, you know, you would vote for Donnie Trump. If you hate government, you know, if you want government to just not have enough money to operate, well, Donnie Trump is 
driven up one of the biggest deficits in history. So I guess, you know, you could want to vote for Donald Trump. If you just have a natural revulsion to any kind of law that protects us from pollution, a lot of people do for some bizarre reason, Donnie's your guy, okay? But to call him the best president in the history of our nation, as in the greatest of all time, as in of Michael Jordan-like proportions, I don't know about that. That says more about Lindell than it says about Trump. You know, and I started thinking about other presidents, D, when I read this email. I mean, I could make an argument for, say, Abraham Lincoln being the best president in the history of America. He kept the union together, freed the slaves, got us through the Civil War. But apparently the MAGA, Lincoln was a little too harsh on the South. They're all kind of rethinking that slavery thing under Trump. So take him off the list. I could make an argument for FDR, kept the country together during the Depression, led us through our war of existence against Hitler. But those New Deal programs like Social Security are a little too socialistic for MAGA. So don't put them on the list. Plus, you know, this is something I've been noticing more and more lately. MAGA has developed what you might call a soft spot for white nationalism these days. That's euphemistically putting it. What with their appreciation for the Proud Boys and the neo-Nazis in Charlottesville. So you don't want to be too hard on Hitler. Just saying, you know, MAGA's got a, get a little soft spot for Germany during the war. How about Dwight Eisenhower? He was a Republican. He was a great general, led us uh, in the war against Hitler. But again, there's that Hitler thing, so can't go for him. How about Ronald Reagan? I have no love for Ronald Reagan, but modern-day Republicans love him. But no, he cut deals with Tip O'Neill and Danny Rusikowski and other Democrats. So apparently he's a too a little he's a little too accommodating for MAGA. So I guess that leaves Trump as their favorite president, the greatest president in the history of America. Now, I can't be the only person in the world getting these emails. And apparently they must be working, otherwise, they wouldn't keep sending them out. So obviously there are a lot of MAGA hat wearers out there who think, quote, Donald Trump is the best president in the history of our nation. When I think about everything Donald Trump has done to this nation since he walked into office, the lying, the cheating, the undermining the Constitution, the extorting foreign leaders, the firing whistleblowers, the giving the shout outs to anti-Semitic white nationalists, undermining our belief in the ballot, et cetera, and so forth. I think the scariest thing is that there's still a huge chunk of the population that is cheering him on. By the way, Mike Lindell is thinking of running for governor of Minnesota, which means this fight will continue long after November's election. We got a great show today. Sergio Mims, Black Harvest Film Festival, will be on the show. Sergio Mendes are talking about the upcoming Black Harvest Film Festival. It's a virtual thing, D. Oh, that means it's on the internet. Ooh. Virtual, okay. We D, don't know anything about that. No. <laughs> and then, of course, if it's Sergio Mims, he's got opinions on absolutely everything. We're going to hear, we're going to talk, what, the debate. And we're going to talk about Trump undermining our, uh, eroding our trust in the vote. We're talking about the upcoming vice presidential debate. Monroe was a little, uh, excuse me, Sergio was a little critical of Kamala Harris back in the day. We're wondering uh, what his Ooh. feelings are now. I wonder too. And, uh, plenty of political discussion ahead, but before we do that, the young man from Bolton, the man that I would put on any list Aww. of greatest presidents in the history of America. Aww. <laughs> they call him Dr. Doobie with the news. You know, that didn't really make sense, but that was very nice of you. <laughs> well, you're better than Trump. <laughs> 
Okay. Hey guys, how's it going? I'm Dennis. Today's local news brought to you by my pillow. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh my god, here comes a cease and desist like yeah. Oh, if you're gonna say that, you have to pay for the right to say that. And once again, no. you can you can always cancel those emails, Ben. And I think that's how a lot of lefties turn into righties, by the way. I'm gonna investigate how this MAGA works. The next <laughs> thing you know, oh my god, I love him. You know, Dennis, I meant to tell you. I'm developing a fondness for Donald John Trump. Oh, my God. That's the one clip they'll take. Then they'll play it. Left-wing podcaster endorses Donald Trump. You know what? I'm going to do that. After today's show, I'm going to take that clip of you saying that, and we'll play that, uh, you know, throughout the election. Why not, huh? Remember when Meredith was giving me uh, grief? Meredith Shiner was on the show, and I, I said, you know, I wish Trump had nominated Ted Cruz to fill the Supreme Court vacancy. Then he would just show how much contempt he has. She pointed out, well, Ben, if you ever run for office, that's the clip they'll use. He said he endorsed Ted Cruz. Cruz, Cruz, Cruz. Oh, hey, let's hear that uh, Ted Cruz impression, by the way. Remember, you just hold your nose. Oh, how do you do it again? You just hold your nose and talk? Yeah. Hi. I'm Ted Cruz. Be scared. Be very scared. It's really good. I don't really, you think, I mean, I don't know. It's, don't, I, I've not listened to a lot of Ted Cruz. I did that thing, remember how bizarre it was, where I rewatched the, oh my God, this is this is an embarrassing confession. I've already confessed it, though. Remember I rewatched the Republican debate, the 2016 Republican debate? Yeah, I forget yeah. when I did that, but I, I called you up. I'm always bothering Dennis off work hours. D, I just watched the Republican convention, the debate. D's like smoking a joint. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm over here like. Actually, this conversation happened before he stopped smoking. Okay, so he probably was smoking like before. Been about four months, right, D? Yeah, off and on, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Hello. Truth is emerging. It's sneaking out. Anyway, I, I did watch. I thought Ted Cruz did a, you know, an okay. I mean, I. Oh, God. Here we go. There goes my political career out the window. I mean, he was, you know, battling Trump. That's when Jeb Bush was on the stage. And that's when I realized how. Trump is pretty good, quick on his feet when the people were cheering Jeb Bush. He goes, ah, they're just the donors. I'm like, that's quick on your feet, young man. That's quick. All right. Uh, All right. guy. Pretty quick on your feet. Chicago and or Illinois news. Let's do it. We begin with the governor. Springtime. Love it. Okay. Actually, it's the fall time now. Happy October, Governor. No October 1st public events listed for our Democratic Illinois Governor, J.B. Pritzker. If you recall, he's currently self-isolating after one of his staffers tested positive for COVID-19. But he did deliver a COVID-19 update on Wednesday from his computer at his home. I mean, I only got one look at his home, but he has a very nice bookshelf, Ben. What's on the shelf? I mean, books. I know, but what titles? I mean, what am I doing? Investigating this guy? No, I don't know. I don't see. The New York Times had this feature for a while. I haven't done it. Look, so when people would have Zoom conferences, they would take the camera and zoom in <laughs> uh, the books in the back. And they would make judgments about the people from what's on their bookshelf. And then I had the feeling that people would like stack the 
the bookshelf with books that they wanted people to think they were reading. <laughs> well, know, I like, think I did see Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I'm not sure, but <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Good. But uh, He no- loves it. <laughs> By the way, there's like three of them. And I don't, which is favorite? Let's quick. Let's get a Burn commercial. <laughs> All right. Here are the highlights from yesterday's COVID-19 update. Uh, huzzah! Nine of the 11 Illinois regions in Pritzker's five-phase plan to safely reopen Illinois have seen their average positivity rates decline. But, oh boy, Region 1, which is owned by the Rockford, Dixon, and Galena areas, has surpassed 8% positivity for three days in a row. So, starting Saturday, Region 1 will need to adhere to Tier 1 COVID mitigations. All bars, restaurants, gaming facilities, and casinos close at 11. Indoor bars closed. Outdoor dining can take place, but with strict mitigations. And if you're bummed out about this news, you may not be taking this pandemic seriously. Party bus services (laughs) must temporarily close. (laughs) Yeah. I'm blaming. I would wait. My natural instinct is to blame it on Wisconsin because this is the border area. But I'm trying to win over Wisconsin, D, so I'm only going to say nice things about Wisconsin. I'm not going to call them cheeseheads or anything like that. We really need Wisconsin. My beloved bright one, home delivered every day, D. Here we go. Even they jumped on the bandwagon. Obviously, those editorial writers can listen to the Ben Jarosky show a lot. Obviously. A lot Obviously. First thing they listen to every day. Dear Wisconsin, you are so much better than Donald Trump. It's an appeal to Wisconsin to vote for uh, Joey Biden because, I, you know, Wisconsin's uh, electoral college votes are significant, are very important. They flipped in the last. If we can flip Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, it's over for Donnie. So we got to be nice to the cheesehead. So even though, remember when they opened their bars, Dave? Remember we talked about that? Remember, we were think we were entertaining the idea. We were going to be open minded about it. Well, you know, maybe maybe there really is nothing to this COVID. Maybe you can't open bars and just blow into people's faces, spit in their faces, drink lots of booze, and then spray it, and nothing will happen to you. Oh, Remember God. that day? Man. Remember that when they opened the bars? Uh, and Chio Capos drove up there. Remember that? Remember that uh-huh. great moment? She got in her little car. And went to the bar. She wore a mask. She's no fool. I mean, rumor had it she did it like uh, three beer bongs, but she did have a mask on. <laughs> There's no rumor that he just made that up. Good times. She had a lot more guts than I did. I wouldn't go on. Oh, go, oh, you're a big wimp. I mean, you're awesome. What am I talking about? <laughs> I am a wimp. I'm not going up there. Uh, she, you go up there. Okay, you go. Tell me what it's like. She started counting all the Illinois uh, license plates in the parking lot. Oh, God, I need to go to a bar. I, I need a drink with other people and spray my saliva in their face. That's what I got to do. Disgusting. After this pandemic, I'm never going to a bar again. <laughs> I got to listen to bad music on a jukebox and go, well, everybody knows your name. So they flocked to Wisconsin. I was ripping the cheese heads back then. That was yeah, when, we're not right? now. Remember, we're trying to win them over. I love you, Wisconsin. Go, you peckers. I remember like that the whole deal was there. They had a uh, they have a Democratic governor and he was being responsible like Democratic governors are. And he had all these rules and regulations, closing bars, etc. And the Republicans uh, in the legislature 
their general assembly is led by Republicans, were outraged, liberate Wisconsin. And they challenged the restrictions. And the Supreme Court, which was led by MAGA hat wearers, ruled in favor of the Republicans and the bars were suddenly open. And I remember like headlines, bars open. Huh? Everybody flocks with, no, big surprise, Rockford's got high numbers of COVID. And they always blame Rockford. I got to let Rockford off the hooks, just like your beloved neck of the woods, D. Hmm. Madison County, Alton. It's all those people in Missouri coming over to state line, right, D? Or the people in Alton going to Missouri. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, I got a drink. Oh, my life is horrible. I got to sit Damn, in a I bar. need to hit that Bass Pro Shop and get to a bar. Oh, lordy, lordy. So anyway, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised, D. You know, it's like COVID, guys, it spreads. Hate to say it. Hate to be the bearer of the bad news. That's my Jack Nicholson imitation. Oh, team. let's hear it again. You, that, one, that one was okay, but you really do have a good Jack Nicholson. Let's hear it. You, you got to put your hands in the air, chief. Put your hands in the air. And maybe your best one. Well, you know, I don't know. Feeling, uh, I love Doctor D. He's a great guy. Uh, how creepy! <laughs> That's Bill Clinton. <laughs> anyway, sorry, D. Yes, my heart goes out to Rockford, but I'm not going to make any cheesehead jokes because I really want Wisconsin to vote. <laughs> I got to say nothing but nice things. So, Brian, if you're listening, my dear friend Brian, Brian, I love you, man. I'm gonna. You know what? If we, I said this once, I'll say it again. If Wisconsin goes. For Joe Biden, that was my Barack Obama meditation. Uh, Wisconsin Stick goes for to Joe Jack Biden. Nicholson, pal. <laughs> and uh, Kamala Harris in November, I will wear a Green Bay Packer jersey and root for the Packers over the Bears. Yes, that's how far I'm going to go, D. Mm-hmm. I can see thousands of cheeseheads right now going, oh, my God, I'm voting for Biden just to see that. I uh, love Green Bay. I uh, miss uh, Brett Favre. Great quarterback. I'm hoping Aaron Rodgers can pick it up. That's Brett Favre is a great quarterback. That's and, great, uh, Barack Obama. And hey, you know, uh, starting today, Chicago is easing restrictions on uh, restaurants and bars. So hey, you know, we we may be right there up there with Wisconsin in a week or two. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, we will. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> we will. <laughs> When will they ever learn? Come on, D. No. When will they ever learn? Mm. Hey, remember in uh, WCPT 820, the station that fired you when we allowed you not to sing? Remember that? I don't remember. <laughs> Missing I, those I days. Singing. Maybe that's why they fired me. I don't know. Too much I've singing, been pal. singing too much, and uh, the owner doesn't like it. Nah, I think it was the tips, Dio. Uh, D, I think it was the tips. Or Tony Perkwick. One or the other. I don't think it was the singing. Um, I think both A and B. But yeah. <laughs> also addressed during the governor's uh, COVID-19 press briefing, Halloween. Now, because of this damn dirty coronavirus, parents all across the state have been up in arms, concerned that they won't be allowed to let their kids roam the streets and take candy from hundreds of strangers this year. Well, <laughs> concern no more parents of Illinois because trick-or-treating, pumpkin patches, hay rides, and other holiday festivities can go forward with 
some changes to prevent the spread of COVID-19. The Illinois Department of Public Health has issued its uh, its recommended guidance for Halloween, including maintaining social distancing while trick-or-treating by leaving individually wrapped candy out on a table or on your driveway. Just throw a bunch of Kit Kats on your driveway. (laughs) Yeah, just take them! (laughs) Or in front of your walkway, sidewalk, or other areas outside of your home where six feet of distance can be maintained. This is not working. Okay, go ahead, D. Sorry. Here's uh, Dr. Zike. She said, for Halloween, we are encouraging people to find ways to celebrate that might look a little different than in years past, but we still allow our children to take part in these festivities. ZK said anyone wearing a costume should still wear a cloth mask uh, as a costume mask is not acceptable is not an acceptable substitute. If you or your child wears a cloth mask under a costume mask, ZK said you should make sure it won't impair breathing. If it does, you or your child should wear a cloth mask alone and set aside the costume mask. Trick-or-treaters also should stay in groups that include only members of their own household and stay six feet away from other groups. Azike said people also should avoid crowded costume parties at bars duh, and shouldn't hold large parties at their own homes. Uh, Rather than haunted houses, people should consider visiting open air, one-way haunted forests, or going on ghost tours where they could stay six feet away from others. As for festivities like pumpkin patches, hay rides, and orchards, uh, the Illinois Department of Health said people should wear face coverings at all times, observe social distancing, and use hand sanitizer before handling pumpkins, apples, or other produce. Hayride capacity should not exceed 50%, and each party should be spaced at least six feet apart. Ben Drosky, is it just me, or does all of this sound just like an awful time? Uh, well, uh, it's, I hate to break it to you, D, but we're in the middle of a pandemic, so it's awful time kind of sums up everything right now. But just I mean, like, why, why not just go, okay, screw this. Let's just not do any of that this year. I, great question. And you know the answer as well as I do. Keith, you imagine just for the, just for a moment, if Governor Pritzker and his top aides were to announce no trick or treating, oh my God, DB Darren Bailey would lose his mind. They'd be filing law. Even Jim Durkin. Oh, this is just going too far. How far are they going to go? Trump would be tweeting out. They're taking away Halloween. Oh, hold on, D. Let me just do this. Uh, do this. There's some kind of weird thing with my computer. Anyway, so this like really just shows you <laughs> the divide in our country right now. And we saw that at the debate on Tuesday where Donald Trump, where there were, you know, uh, criticizing his handling of the uh, pandemic and Trump pulled out the mask that he had in his jacket. He pulled out this. I don't know if you were watching this yeah. point. You're like, I, I got a mask. I never wear it. But I got it. It was such a, it, it was just a moment just dripping with contempt while pretending he believed in the whole notion of wearing a mask and taking procedures to protect you. It was like, it was just the most condescending put down of having, a, I got one, I ever wear it. Yeah, I got one. And then he turns to Biden, yeah. starts making fun of him. What a whip, whip you are. You always wear the mask. Yeah, call me crazy. Then, I don't think Donald Trump had any notes uh, going into that debate. Just saying. <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> That's our guy. He's just winging it, man. So, but I mean, he's been practicing. He, he tweets this stuff out all the time. So it's like, let me just get go. Let me get there. 
Say it. So it's sort of like, you know, like the Democrats and a handful of Republicans live in the real world where they take seriously the pandemic and they want to give guidelines that people should follow so we don't unnecessarily spread it. And then you have the Republican Party that lives in fantasy land in which there is no pandemic. It's a hoax or it's an, uh, something that China set on us. And if we want to stand up to China, then the way to do it is to pretend like it doesn't exist. But then every now and then you got to pretend like you sort of believe in it because you're a little worried about a swing voter in Wisconsin who may, you know, like be concerned. So every you pull out the mask, show utter contempt for it, put it back and then make fun of Joe Biden for wearing it. And that's how I view like the Halloween precautions. So you can make an argument that it may not be a good idea to have trick or treating. Uh, during a pandemic. You can make that argument, D. It'd be a pretty strong and compelling argument. You can make the argument that endorsing trick-or-treating during a pandemic is the greatest mixed message our government has sent out yet. But if you were to make that argument, good God, I could just see the the attack ads right now. I could just re- imagine the tweets. You, the oper- Operation Gridlock people would be back. They're taking away Halloween, ween, ween, ween. How come they would have pot pot dispensaries open, but we can't do trick or treat? They want you to take reefer, but they don't want you to take candy. So, you know, Pritzker's like, uh, I may have been born at night, but I wasn't born last night. <laughs> but that precaution, D, when you were reading that, I didn't mean to laugh out loud, but the thing about put the candy out. Isn't man, that funny? <laughs> The first couple of kids come by, I'll take all the candy. Uh, duh. It's like, a tra- just like- it's like a trap in cartoons. Like, oh, what's all this candy doing in the driveway? You go pick it up and a net comes and picks you up. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, you know, it's funny. I, I um, don't have little kids in the house. So this, that would be, t- oh, my God. Back in the old days when my kids were little, we have the whole bunch of kids would get together. I'd take them out trick-or-treating, and afterwards there'd be pizza and chicken at our house and, like, a party and people gathering. It's just like another universe. So I could hear my kids crying, no, trick-or-treating. So, all right. And by the way, you were the one who said it. Hmm. I'm going to steal your line. Happens a lot, but uh, go ahead. What is it? <laughs> Usually I give credit. Usually I give credit. <laughs> So this morning when we were doing our pre-show planning, extensive pre-show planning for the Ben Jarofsky show, okay? Unlike no other show in the history, do we do pre-show planning? Oh, uh, D, what yeah. you got? Oh, yeah. uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's a show today. Uh, anyway, you, you made the comment that uh, trick-or-treat uh, is a really bizarre concept because all year long, uh, parents tell their kids, don't take candy from strangers. And then on Halloween, they send them out, take candy from strangers, go to their house. As many as you can. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. It's weird. You can say that, but he didn't say it. So I got to say it. Uh-huh. Now, everybody in, in podcast land is like, but God, Ben is brilliant. That's such a great observation. I wish Dennis could make observations. Yeah, WBEC is like, wait a minute, let's hire Ben. <laughs> Not douchebag Dennis. Oh my god! By the way, I got a, I got a WBZ story. Great, uh, great investigative reporting by Danny Maopolis, dear friend of the show, uh, and Dave McKinney about uh, Commonwealth Edison. 
Commonwealth Edison apparently uh, had been uh, donating money to Cub Citizen Utility Board, which is a not-for-profit operation that's set up to be a watchdog for Commonwealth Edison. So young Daniel and uh, Dave McKinney did a great job, outstanding job, in my humble opinion, of showing the inconsistency between uh, a citizen citizen utility board, a watchdog, take, taking money from Commonwealth Edison. And I was like, oh, man, this is a great story. Wish I had done it. Yeah, this is a good job, Dan. And I get to the bottom of it, and it's like in italics, written by the uh, the bosses of BEZ. Oh, God, D, here goes your job there. They don't even read your emails anyway. It goes, uh, for full disclosure, uh, WBZ gets a grant from Commonwealth Edison. Oh, my goodness. It's Commonwealth Edison put absolutely everyone on the payroll. We have an investigation into Michael Madigan getting AIDS on the Commonwealth. Now it turns out BEZ gets money. So, Dean, let me just make an announcement. Hey, ComEd. What, what, what are we, chop liver? Why don't you give us some money for crying out? Oh, yeah, I, I got to right. feed Dennis. We right? don't want that ComEd money, man. Come on. We'll be in the next uh, uh, episode of Madigan Gate. Well, you know, if it's good enough for BEZ, why is it good enough for us, huh? Exactly. Right, you think about that, D? Huh? BEZ, huh? listen, all right? I can do a lot of stuff, all right? I can do production. <laughs> I can do, uh, I don't know, I can, I can do good stuff with a mop and a broom. Hire me, for the love of God. The bees, you should about um, oh, we're WBC. Uh, I'm sorry, only people from Ivy League schools need apply. Anyway, great story by Damian Lopez. It was a great story. I got to give him a lot of credit, but I saw that line at the end. I'm like, where's our money? You're not you helping imagine? me get that WBC kick. Yeah, I know. In comments, all right, guys, here you go. All right, quite. Yeah, then I would ch- change my tune a little bit. Oh, we're gonna, like, you know. Change, get to get to it. Oh, oh, I can't get, get ahead of myself. Go ahead. We're going to change our tune a little bit, huh? How about uh, more Pritzker news? A lot of Pritzker news this afternoon. Shout out to the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard. Capital facts is Rich Miller. Get him on the chain. <laughs> bulldog, that guy. Uh, Rich Miller posted a press release on Capital Facts after Trump campaign spokesperson Thea McDonald accused Democrats of, quote, working to shred election integrity rules across the country to stack the deck for their lackluster candidate. Well, Ben, our Democratic governors are pushing back. A coalition of 12 governors, including Governors Jay Inslee, Kate Brown, Gavin Newsom, Phil Murphy, Gretchen Whitmer, Tony Evers, Tim Walls, Ralph Northam, John Carney, Steve Sisolak, Michelle Lugin Grisham, and yes, the big feller himself, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker, released a joint statement today on recent threats to the democratic process and reports of efforts to circumvent the election results. Here's a bit from the press release. It says here, quote, we do not take for granted the sacred right of every American to cast a vote and to have that vote counted in the presidential election held every four years. It is a right that is foundational to our democracy and essential to the continuation of our constitutional system of government, something to be cherished, revered and defended by elected leaders at all levels. As governors, it is our solemn duty to protect the people of our states. Today, we affirm that all votes cast in the upcoming election will be counted and that democracy will be delivered in this election. That means all valid ballots cast in accordance with state and local laws must be counted 
and that all states must properly appoint electors in accordance with the vote. We will not allow anyone to willfully corrupt the democratic process by delegitimizing the outcome or appropriating fraudulent electors against the will of voters. Yeah, I'm with him 100% on this one. Headline in the New York Times says it all. Trump escalates push to erode trust and vote. You know, I'm going to get uh, Sergio's thoughts on this. Everybody comes on the show. Uh, I'm going to ask them this. What is Trump really up to when he tries to undermine our uh, belief in the system? Because as I've pointed out before, Trump is depending on mail-in votes as well. There's a lot of old people who uh, want to vote for Donald Trump and Republicans uh, that are... Um, they're going to be doing mail-in. They don't want to go to the polls. They're scared of getting COVID. So it, it's like this very selective game that Trump is playing. And, uh, you know, he wants to, I think ultimately he wants uh, to just have an excuse because he knows he's going to lose. This is my opinion. I got this. Uh, I got to give credit to Monroe. Monroe's been saying this for a while. But Trump strongly believes he's going to lose. He sees the same polls uh, that, well, he probably gets even better, more accurate polling than the rest of us do. And he gets regular day-to-day polling about all the swing states. So uh, he probably realizes he's going to lose. I mean, and uh, I I think it's pretty obvious that he's going to lose the popular vote. And uh, the polls suggest that it's strongly obvious that he's going to lose Electoral College as well. So he's preparing himself the... Uh, ultimately, how far he'll go, I don't know. You know, there was that moment in the debate on, uh, what was it, uh, Tuesday, where Trump would not say for certain that he would abide by the election outcome. He was saying it's gonna, there's so much fraud, there's so much potential for fraud, he doesn't know if he'll abide by it. Where Biden just looked at him and said, he'll abide by it. And that was, I, when, I read, when I saw that, I was like, Biden was thinking, like, this guy, Trump, is so full of it. He's just talking right now, talking trash. But ultimately, he'll walk away. We don't know that. And I know uh, many Democrats are freaking out on this uh, very issue. So it's really important uh, that the governors you know, rally together to show their confidence in the system. It's very disappointing that Republican governors aren't joining them. It's very disappointing in general that Republicans are so afraid of Donald Trump that they're timid in their criticism. He supports the Proud Boys. They're so afraid to criticize him for his support for this racist group, this anti-Semitic group. It's the same thing with the um, his attack on the vote. They're so afraid to criticize him. So I don't ultimately do what he's up to. He's up to something no good. Um, and like I said, his biggest concern is getting prosecuted if he loses. So good for you, Pritzker and governors, other governors. And hey, I guess you could say that Joe Biden is a Biden by it, huh? Am I right? Whoa. My God, you're funny. Um, sorry. <laughs> Find me at Zanies. Pritzker also addressed the ongoing Illinois saga that we like to call Madigan Gate. The time utility bigwigs Commonwealth Edison admitted to arranging jobs, contracts, and payoffs to the associates of Democratic Illinois House Speaker Michael Joseph Madigan. <laughs> and you know, while I agree with Ben Jarofsky Show live stream listener and chatter Jay Marie, I am sick of Madigan Gate. I am too. But we still. 
still got to talk about it. Our elected leader of the conservative persuasion here in Illinois are currently holding an investigative inquiry into the alleged dirty doings of Mike Madigan, an investigative inquiry that Mike Madigan was invited to, by the way, and Madigan obviously declined to testify. But according to this report from WBEZ Chicago and one Tony Arnold, Governor Pritzker says that Michael Madigan should testify in this inquiry. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker for the first time Wednesday called on House Speaker Michael Madigan to testify before the state legislative panel investigating his connections to the Commonwealth Edison bribery scandal. At a virtual press conference Wednesday afternoon, Pritzker called out Madigan, the head of his own party, to answer questions about the scandal. Here's the quote from Pritzker, quote, I strongly believe that the speaker should take any opportunity, and this is one, to present answers to the questions that I think all of us have. Ben Jarofsky, we're throwing it to you. Is the writing on the wall here? Do Pritzker's comments give you any indication that the Illinois Democrats may be moving on from Madigan? They're inching. Inching, I tell you. Listen, how many flip-flops have I done on this day? I've lost track. Me too, but I think we're on uh, six. Okay, I flip flip flop. I look. It's I'm with Jay Marie. By the way, you know you got something. Show it on Mad Dog. You know what I mean. Play the card. All right. They're dragging it out. They're squeezing it all they can. Madigan has become the best tool the Republicans have to take back the state. That's their tool. Democrats don't know what to do about it. You know, he's uh, Bruce Rauner spent all that money and all that time turning Mag- Madigan into the boogeyman. And uh, Madigan didn't do any favors for himself with his property tax business, with his uh, heavy handedness, with uh, his uh, just all that power consolidated in one person. And uh, looking the other way at uh, claims of sexual harassment, it all adds up. But so many Democrats, they owe their jobs to Madigan. They owe their re-elections to Madigan. He's so powerful. He distributes so much money. And he was, and I will say it again and again and again, he was the person most responsible, in my humble opinion, for defying Bruce Rauner's attempt to destroy unions in the state. So he had played a very important role in the last four years. That said, the Democrats should cut the cord. with Madigan should step down on his own. Enough's enough already. But nope, he doesn't want to step down. Democrats are so scared of offending him. So we have this little game. The Democrats are waiting to see what the feds have. And if the feds present an indictment, then the Democrats will feel liberated uh, to go after Madigan. In the meantime, Republicans will be using him, hypocrites that they are, because Donnie Trump has done much worse in every campaign they have, including the campaign to destroy the fair tax. So that's Pritzker inching, D, inching. A little inch here, a little inch there. So I can't remember where I am on Madigan Gate. First, I was for him to step down. Then I said, no, because Republicans are hypocrites and he shouldn't step down uh, unless Trump steps down. Like, I offered that deal. Remember that deal? I said, all right, MAGA. I'll cut a deal with you. Donnie Trump steps down and Michael Madigan steps down. MAGA wouldn't take that deal. Oh, yeah, because all the MAGA people are listening to this show. (laughs) Donald Trump Jr. just called his father. You know, Dad, it's a good deal coming out of Illinois. I think we should. uh... Something something about a porta potty? I don't know, Dad. (laughs) 
So I, I, I kind of feel for the Democrats. I don't know what to do. He's their guy. You know, he's their leader. And yes, for, for those who just tuned in this week uh, for the first time, yeah, Vendrovsky has flipped again. Uh, he said that Madigan should resign. Well, first off, he said he should step down, flip. Then he sh- said uh, he shouldn't step down, flop. We're now back to flip. <laughs> he should resign. Yeah, Mark Brown wrote a very compelling column. Now I know what you're going to say, D. Oh, one column just changed your mind, huh? 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 Your- huh? <laughs> one column just changed your mind, huh? It kind of did. Uh, I got to give Mark Brown credit. You know, you could see I'm flipping and flopping. It's so I uh, right now step down. But then again, if Michael Madigan was one of those great quotes like he did the last time, I could do another flip flop on this one. D. Bottom line, if Trump steps down, I wholeheartedly support Madigan stepping down. You hear that, there. Mark Brown? The opinion of Ben Jarofsky is in the palm of your hand, buddy. <laughs> By the way, find Ben Jarofsky running alongside Mark Brown on Cricket Hill. Maybe they'll go 16 times. I don't know. But hey, one Illinois Democrat is ready to move on from our decades old Illinois House Speaker. State Representative Stephanie Kifowit uh, announced today that she is seeking the Democratic nomination for Speaker of Illinois House of Representatives. Uh, We have a quote here. Well, it's a press release from Stephanie Kifowit. Stephanie says, based on my values, I was compelled on July 30th of this year to write a letter to Speaker Madigan stating that the right thing for him to do is step down as Speaker for compromising the integrity of the office and undermining the public trust. The response from Michael Madigan was to double down and had has remained. It is clear to me that he doesn't hold the same values that I do and falls short of what the public expects from an elected official. Therefore, I am announcing today that I intend to seek the Democratic nomination for Speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives for the 102nd General Assembly. I feel that Madigan's involvement as, quote, public official A in the recent FBI documents is clear. He has compromised the integrity of the office of the Speaker of the House and undermined the public trust. As each day passes, the people of Illinois have put up with this corruption and manipulation for far too long. Every day we are seeing more and more disrespect and self-serving actions by Michael Madigan. And it is my feeling that there is more to come in the upcoming days and weeks. Bendrovsky, want to weigh in here on uh, Kifowit? Is she running for, uh, I know she is running for the election. Does she uh, have a, a opponent strong against her? This story broke uh, before. Uh, no, this story broke this morning. I see it all over the internet right now. You know me with the internet, D. A little, little, uh, little fuzzy with that internet. Uh, but uh, she, my, listen. I don't want to be cynical. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna block cynicism from coming to what I'm saying. But if she has a strong opponent, she's in a heated uh, a re-election battle. She's in Aurora, I guess. That's the area she's in. Uh, you know, she may have to worry uh, about uh, an opponent running against her. Uh, but you know what, D, I'm not going to be cynical. I'm going to say congratulations for taking the right stand. How about that? I, I, I'm going to defeat go. cynicism, okay? I'm going to do the right thing. And I, again, Democrats should take this step. Somebody should like, you always talk about like the Republicans who went to see uh, Richard Nixon in the middle of Watergate, or at the end of Watergate, I should say, and just said, you know what, boss, the tides have turned, and you got to step down. Where are the Democrats to do that with Medicaid? They're all afraid. Hey, guys, come on. He's all powerful. So 
I give her credit. You know what, D? I'm not going to be cynical. There you go. Okay. Give it Give it about three minutes. Mike Madigan <laughs> has since responded to the news of his new challenger, Stephanie Kifowit. In a press release, Madigan said, quote, I have spent my entire career supporting Democrats, regardless of differences in perspective within our party. We are at a critical juncture in our country, and all of us should be focused on coming together to defeat Donald Trump and repair the hate and division he has sown in our communities. We have a lot of work to do, and I am focused on the November election and addressing the devastating effects of COVID-19 on the workers, families, and people of Illinois. Translation, yeah, get lost, lady. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the translation. But it also, what he did, so whoever wrote that, Steve Brown, great job. Uh, what, what he did was he tied opposition to him to support for Donald Trump. He uh, tied the movement to get him out of office to the Trump movement, which is a brilliant move. Uh, and by the way, there's a lot of truth to that. And uh, so at this point, let me put it to you this way, D. I've said this in my columns many times. The most important election that we face the most important uh, political issue that we face is Trumpism, getting Trump out of office. Uh, and as uh, important as Madigan Gate is, it's secondary, in my humble opinion, by far, to that first objective. So if Michael Madigan is going to help us get rid of Trump and protect union rights in this state uh, and protect the right to choose in this state and... Get us, please, uh, a fair system of taxation, then I could put up with Michael Joseph Madigan uh, and his corruption uh, and his property tax business and the fact that he would <laughs> allow ComEd to put all his cronies on the payroll. By the way, comment anytime you want. Give Dennis a call. Could use some money. Well, right, you guys comment. need a podcast, a comment podcast. We could do that. Come on, come on, comment. Well, the love for B E Z and not B E N, huh? Okay, you like that D B E Z. That was good. That was good. That was good. What about D E N? Den me. <laughs> Just give the money to Dennis. All right. Yeah. So anyway, that's my thoughts. Yes, I'm with Jay Marie. Uh, it's not, it's Madigan gate is far less significant in my humble opinion than Trump gate. How about that D? All right, moving on to the news in the city of Chicago, Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. How did you go from sharing stories over the years Uh, to deciding to write a book? Good question, mayor. Good question. Still not a good question. And Ben, (laughs) we broke out the goofy giant scissors this morning. Today, Mayor Lightfoot was at a ribbon cutting ceremony for a development project that's part of the city's Invest Southwest initiative. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Uh, It looks like our Cook County State's attorney's race made the headlines. Guys, it's time for a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Okay, the magic number is 33. We are 33 days away from November 3rd, election day. And incumbent Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox has taken what some are calling an unusual approach in her race against Republican challenger Pat O'Brien. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, Madeline Kinney, and Rachel Hinton. 
Incumbent Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox has withdrawn from an upcoming debate after she accused her Republican rival Pat O'Brien of, quote, Trump-like name-calling and fear-mongering. I guess this is fallout after uh, Tuesday's shit show debate here. Uh, Fox's spokesperson Alex Sims on Wednesday accused O'Brien of calling the incumbent, quote, a cheerleader of criminals and a, quote, social worker in his interview with the Daily Herald. That's why, Sims said, Fox has decided to pull out of next month's debate hosted by ABC7 and several other groups. Uh, We have more quotes here from Kim Fox spokeswoman, uh, Sims. Sims said, quote, we're learning during the recent Ed Board interviews that the state's attorney participated in with Mr. O'Brien that he will instead use the time for Trump-like name-calling and fear-mongering. During this nationwide crisis, she will not sit across the state from a Republican that exploits tragedy to win a campaign. We had plenty of that last night. Voter, <laughs> talking about the debate on Tuesday. Uh, voters deserve better. What was the uh, the offend- offensive quote that Phil O'Brien gave in the interview? A social work. What was it again? I hadn't heard this. What uh, was the, the- said that she is a cheerleader of criminals and a social worker. Okay. Wow. What a- Let's just, before we get into the issue of whether Kim Fox should uh, step out of the debate or not, let's just think about what that says about O'Brien. This man wants to be the chief prosecutor in Cook County. And it, he is comparing social workers with cheerleaders for criminals. Like, that's kind of a twisted view of the world right there. That's very Trumpian. Just, I hadn't heard that yet. Like, she's a, a social... What's wrong with social workers? <laughs> she's a therapist. She helps calm people down. That's bad. It's very, very bad. I mean, this just goes to show you how out of it Republicans are. You know, I... I, I read articles about all the pressure the police officers are under. PTSD high rates of suicide, obviously, obviously, they need assistance like mental health assistance on a regular basis. This is something Donald Trump could do right now to help police officers in the city of Chicago. But no, I'm going to tough it out. And so you got O'Brien, who's running for state's attorney, mocking social workers. This is so weird. You talk about a mixed message. You know, it's like if you're it's like the whole thing about the mask. They won't wear the mask because it's not macho. So I guess what? Seeking help for whatever problems you have upstairs. That's not macho. That somehow or other is the same thing as helping criminals, being a cheerleader for a criminal. It does show like a very twisted perspective. I don't know why anybody would vote for Philip O'Brien based on that. I just, what a, what a weird, twisted perspective. And this is why it's so hard to deal with crime in our country. And I just think back of the war on drugs, like the utter hypocrisy of the war on drugs, where people were getting a smoking reefer and looking the other way while black people got arrested for it. Just And that hypocrisy exists to, to this day. And somehow or other, 
Like you just got to be tough on people like shoplifters, pigpocketers, folks who are sleeping in the park, anybody, anybody who commits any crime, throw them in jail, throw away the key. That's how you crack down a crime. By the way, it's never worked anytime, anywhere, any place. People losing their minds. Oh, God, that's social work. What a wimp. What a wuss. I'm tough on crime. I don't get Republicans, man. I'll tell you what. So many Republicans I know down low, they go to therapists. When they got issues, they go get help. You, think, you don't think people in the Donald Trump family haven't sought assistance for their issues? But hypocrisy on the part. So utter hypocrisy, just they're uh, at this stage, the, the Republicans are have lost all credibility. That said, she should go in the debate. I mean, come on, man. That said, go do the debate and say what I just said. You know, and, I, don't, and, I don't know who's running Kim Fox's campaign, but it's not me. OK. And hey, Kim Fox, come on our show again. Last time it was very helpful for us. You cursed and everything. It was awesome. I, I would say, Kim, why, why don't you go? State's attorney Fox, I would call her state's Go do the debate. What what do you care? And the by the way, the issue with Trump is not well I, I, let me let me back up because I'm about to say it's not what he said, because what he said was pretty offensive. But in addition to that was his just total disregard for rules. You know, I mean, we talked about this yesterday at length. Like he agreed to rules, and then he broke the rules. And he did it with just just utter indifference to the fact that he was breaking the rules. And then he tried to make himself a victim when Chris Wallace called him for breaking the rules. So if you think Philip O'Brien or Phil O'Brien's going to do that with you, which I, I don't know that he would, that it is a waste of time. If, 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 if politicians are not going to abide by the rules of the debate that they've agreed to, then we shouldn't have debates because they are farces. All right. Well, Kim Fox uh, deciding to pull out of the debate proved to be effective or not. I guess we're going to have to find out later on. But that was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Bam, baby. Now, we do have two uh, candidate ads to play for all of you a little later on. We're going to do that after our interview with Sergio Mims. I just sent an email to Sergio. Ben, he replied to me on Facebook Messenger. He, he's aware that he has an interview today, so do not worry. No, I know he's aware of the interview. A cool, calm, and collected as always, this moment of the show, my favorite. But seriously. Where we connect with our guests. We got to get Kim Fox back on the show. We'll bait her and everything. Hey, so would you say that Pat O'Brien's comments were, uh, I don't know, uh, bullshit? Bullshit. Bullshit. It's bullshit. Bullshit. That was fun. That's the old days. Back in the studio, D. Back, uh, back in, the in the studio. studio by the water uh, fountain. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I'm going to have a drink of water. Oh, there we go. Awesome. <laughs> 
Hey, everybody, remember, you can find us online at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Occasionally, we'll put up a question for you to answer, and then we'll read your answers on uh, the show. So it's pretty cool. Uh, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Uh, you can send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show at gmail.com. If you'd like us to read your comment on the program, leave your name and where you're from. It's very helpful. And you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show. It's true. We have a phone number, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. I say it all the time, but it's true. We're not going to answer. But leave us a voicemail, and there's a good chance we will play that voicemail on the program. People, don't go anywhere, because coming up after this song from our dear friend Mike Girardi, you can find these songs, by the way, Bandcamp. Mike Girardi, G-E-R-A-R-D-I. Coming up after this song, our good friend Sergio Mims returns. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my apartment and his attic. Do not go anywhere.
shut it off, I'm gonna kick you out, and I'm gonna make you walk home. Face coverings. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, October 1st, is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Sergio Mims is with us, uh, co-founder of Black Harvest Film Festival, frequent guest on our show, uh, very opinionated uh, viewer of politics. We're going to be talking about the debate and Donald Trump breaking all the rules. We're going to be talking about the Proud Boys and the Republican Party's uh, inability uh, to criticize white supremacists. We're going to be talking about one of our favorite topics, Kamala Harris and Mike Pence, the upcoming debate. We're going to be talking about Trump and his taxes, whether Trump paid more than Sergio in taxes. We're going to talk about Trump eroding trust in the vote, talk about all kinds of political things. Whatever Sergio wants to talk about, we'll talk about that too. But before we do any of that we have to talk about movies isn't that right sergio that's right can you hear me yes i hear you loud and clear you're coming through loud and clear uh so tell folks you're putting your uh you're doing it you're doing it again there's going to be a black harvest film festival it's not going to be in person it's going to be virtual tell folks what they need to know about it go ahead yeah, uh, more details will come in the next two weeks uh, because of our current situation with the Andromeda strain. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, which is what I prefer to call it. So um, we're doing it virtual. A- every film festival since the spring has been doing virtual festivals. Toronto did it. Chicago National Film Festival did it. New York Film Festival will do it. Well, it'll be a combination of virtual and limited 
uh, theater screenings. So we're doing it too. Hopefully next year we'll be back to normal at the Gene Sisko Film Center. As a result of the festival this year, we won't be showing as many movies as we usually do. Um, it'll, it'll be a smaller number, but they're all still pretty good, uh, showing a collection of feature films and, of course, short films. And we'll be doing panels as usual uh, via Zoom. Uh, we also have uh, this year's Legacy uh, uh, award honoree. Last year it was moi, it was me. This year is Professor Jackie Stewart at the University of Chicago, who's been doing her entire life, some uh, entire life, some extraordinary work in uh, the history of black cinema. Some of you may also know her as one of the um, co-host of the Turner Classic Movies. She hosts her program. Um, Silent Cinema on on Sunday nights. She also uh, introduces other films as well. She is currently co-hosted this, this series on women filmmakers from around the world, which uh, will run on TCM until late December, I think, almost beginning of the year. So she's our honoree, uh, honoree this year. And uh, we got a lot of interesting stuff going on. Yeah. It's there won't be a big reception, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, closing night. Uh, once again, next year, cross your fingers. Yeah, everything will be back to the way it was. But the fact, the really important thing is that we didn't lose a we didn't lose a year. Um, Black Harvest will still go on. We're on a streak. This will be a twenty sixth year, and. Um, with that kind of history, we can't, you know, not have a Black Harvest Film Festival. So how do you hook up with it? If well, you watch you it? To, of course, CiscoFilmCenter.org. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll find more information about it. And by the way, these movies will be available throughout the month of August. I'm sorry. See? Because Black Harvest is always in yes. August. Yes. So um, automatically mind goes to that. But mm -hmm. there'll be a festival during the month of November. Some of the feature films we'll be showing, we have uh, a brand new picture documentary by Kartemquin called uh, Unapologetic, directed by uh, Ashley Mills, or also goes by the name Ashley O'Shea, which is about two uh, female... Um, uh, political activist here in Chicago. It's really good. I mean, have you ever seen a film for Contranquin that wasn't good? Yeah, no, I uh, uh, that would be Hoop Dreams, just one of the greatest movies of all time, in my humble opinion. So, and you and know, Steve, Steve James, a good friend of the show. Yes, yeah, Steve, Steve James's new documentary, which is now, I understand, five and a half hours long, uh, City So Real, is premiering this month on. Uh, Natural Geographic, uh, Natural Geographic Channel. So, uh, people, you get to see Ben on Natural Geographic Channel. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, I am in that movie, uh, well, that documentary. It, it, it originally was a 10-hour cut. Now it's five and a half hours. Yeah. Hopefully you're not on the cutting room floor. Well, there, there's, I just... By chance, was talking to Steve James. Uh, he's going to be coming on the show. I'm going to do a lot of uh, City So Real. 
uh, material. Um, it, I think it's a great flick. But he he did a uh, I haven't seen this, but he did a follow up which takes into account uh, Lori Lightfoot's term as first couple of years as mayor, first year as mayor, whatever, uh, and uh, COVID, how she's dealing with it, some of the unrest. Right. I've not seen this, uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing. He's going to send me a copy. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of Steve J. Everybody knows that. Uh, right. City, city so real. So that's not part of the Black Harvest Film yeah, Festival. Not part, you know, that's not part of the festival. Um, I just put that in. Uh, another film we have is a, a, a comedy called The Outside Story, which stars um, Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, most of you may know him as one of the regulars of the show Atlanta. Also, he was in uh, Widows and... Um, if Beale Street could talk, mm-hmm. and uh, it stars Sanishqua Martin Green, who was in a Walking Dead and now is on Star Trek Discovery, and it's about this guy played by uh, Henry, and uh, he has broken up with his girlfriend. So this is the day when she's moving her stuff out, and. Like the dope that he is, he locks himself out of his apartment. <laughs> so the rest of this movie is all the crazy things that happen with him trying to get back into his apartment. Uh, and it really ends on a really sweet, lovely note. And this is a brand new feature film uh, shot entirely in New York. I think Brooklyn. And we'll be showing that film this year. Mm-hmm. We have a... Uh, detective film noir picture called Brown Paper Bag uh, with hardly being seen by anyone. We're premiering that film this year. Um, so we have a lot of really interesting pictures and of course we have a lot of shorts. I will tell you something. Mm-hmm. Despite the um, d- despite the Satan bug the Andromeda string <laughs> that's been going around um we still got a lot of submissions. Now, we didn't get as many as usual, but still, we got a lot more than I expected. So uh, we do have a lot of shorts. Uh, as usual, they'll be bundled into packages. So there's a love and romance package. There is a Chicago made package. There will be a black historical package of short films. So we're trying to make this just as much as we can like the black harvest that you know and love, except that now it'll be virtual instead of uh, seeing it at the Gene Sisko Film Center. And yes, unfortunately, no respect to no But wait till next year. Hey, order a pizza while watching these movies. <laughs> All right. Or I uh, I wrote those two outside story the the comedy and brown paper bag the detective film noir both are uh, two of my favorite types of movies. Uh, so I'm going to um, make a note of those and my wife and I will watch them. Before we go to the politics, I have to ask you this question. I've been I've not watched a movie uh, a newly made movie Sergio since March. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, I'm a, as you know, a huge movie fan. I would go once a week to the movie theaters before uh, the Adronomous strain hit us. That's pretty funny. Uh, and I've stopped. Uh, I've been watching streaming TV shows, which are, in my opinion, just 
not the same thing. Right. Uh, I've been watching a lot of NBA basketball, which is coming to an end really soon. Uh, so what have I missed? You know, just folks should know this. One of our most popular features is when Sergio comes on and we don't talk specifically about politics. We, we, we pick, take apart a movie. Uh, one of our, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, I think is one of our most popular uh, episodes we've ever done like this. Marty Scorsese's the Irishman. We, we took that apart. Spike Lee defy bloods with Daniel Scruggs. We took that apart. So did I miss something? Uh, a movie that you know was shown virtually that you could see on the internet. A new release that uh, well, is there some I, I should think, see. I think we did. I think we did talk about uh, the Five Bloods. The Spike yes, Lee. I, I did see. Yeah, we did talk about yeah, the Five Bloods. We did talk yeah, about that. I did see Tenet. Actually, I got invited to a screening of it before it came out. It was like only maybe nine people in the theater. Um, don't waste your time. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it was nice to be in a theater again. And yeah. by the way, uh, I, what I've been watching old movies. I got so many. I got so many Blu-rays and DVDs of movies I haven't gotten to yet. Old movies. I just I spent uh, weeks watching horror films from the seventies, and then I went through a Charles Bronson phase, <laughs> and then um, just w- watching old films. That's what I do, right? Now uh, I will tell you that uh, you should read Michael Phillips's piece last week mm-hmm. when he talked about movie theaters being closed and will movie theaters come back? Um, And you kind of hit on it. I agree with Michael Phillips. Movie theaters will come back because there's something about the communal experience watching a movie. Yeah, you can watch a movie online. uh, You can watch a movie streaming. uh, But watching a comedy at home is not the same thing as watching a comedy with a theater full of people laughing. Yeah. We all want that community one, you know, there's nothing like a horror film and everybody's jumping out of the seat or someone screaming. Uh, there's nothing better than being in a movie theater and watching a big screen, a really exciting action film that gives your race pumping, yeah. you know? Yeah. You can have the, um, home experience, but it still does not replace movies. And as Michael Phillips says, when sound came out, everybody thought movies were dead. When televisions came out, everybody thought movies were dead. Um, and I remember in the early 70s, nobody was going to see movies. The film business was drying up in the early 70s. And then with the, then when black exploitation films came out, and then later you had what was then blockbusters like The Godfather or The Exorcist or Jaws, people started coming back to the movies. So the, the movies business has always faced a crisis, maybe not a severe crisis like this, but it's always faced a crisis, always every decade or so. So, um, uh, and perhaps movies will change after all this is over. And don't forget, there are a whole lot of movies that have been held back this year which are ready for release next year. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 I'm with you. I read that article by Michael Phillips uh, and it made, it, it made me feel better. Uh, I share your love. Everything you just said, I was nodding my head along with it. I absolutely positively love going to the movie theater. And I think they did. We're doing a little more sophisticated Sergio and their attempts to, to, to try to find ways to make money around the movie itself by selling drinks and selling more, you know, like you have a whole dinner at the movie theater. Uh, so, 
I, I will go back, touch wood, when the Adronomous strain has uh, left us one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will go back, and I think movie theaters will respond to people like me going back. The one I want to see, by the way, that is supposed to come out on Netflix in October, and I uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet, is Chicago 7, Aaron uh, Sorkin's Chicago oh, 7 yeah. movie. Oh, Sasha yeah. Barrett. Yeah, Have you seen very it? much. Yeah, I haven't. I got to catch up with it. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, you remember it? I remember it. Yes. <laughs> we were kids back then. We were kids. That that was something. That yes. was something. What was the judge's name? Ju- Julius, judge Hoffman. Julius Hoffman. Hoffman. Yes. Right. Uh, I, so I, I, here's what I suggest. We'll see it. We'll convene. That will be our next movie that we okay, uh, dissect. Yeah, and it's coming out in October on Netflix. Uh, and uh, I know t- t- you and I, same graduating class. You went to Camwood. I went to Evanston. We lived through that. That was like a, a moment in our lives, a defining moment. It had such an impression on me. And I know I could just imagine young Sergio Mims uh, just <laughs> absorbing that, 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 that bizarre trial and Bobby Seals being shackled and just. Right. Defiant, Bobby Seals being yeah. shackled. And I really didn't understand what was going on, let alone why they were put on trial. But I remember it was a circus. It was a real circus. And uh, and by the way, one of the movies that's coming out, we may have to talk about, which is coming out on Amazon Prime, is Borat 2. <laughs> yeah, I saw the preview for yeah, it at the basketball the game last night. Yeah. Is, first of all, I love Borat. I love... Well, and by the way, the common thing, both uh, Sasha, uh, Sasha Baron uh, Cohen. Cohen. Yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen is also in the uh, Chicago 7 movie. He plays right. Abby Hoffman, yep. He plays mm-hmm. that perfect casting, really perfect casting. Perfect casting. So, um, um, uh, Borat was hysterical to me. Borat, too, looks like it's his equal. This thing looks absolutely <laughs> all right so there we go we have we get we got our two segments we worked it out we're gonna do uh maybe do a sasha baron cohen festival uh an appreciation <laughs> of sasha baron cohen uh, all right let's uh move from uh, movies and talk some politics uh speaking of a spectacle now you were uh a debacle as i sometimes call it your general view of what went down on Tuesday at the debate. Go ahead. It, it was a debacle. It was an it was an embarrassment. Um, and don't forget, not just here, but this this was seen around the world. And uh, I remember tweeting while it was going on. I was tweeting back and forth with friends under my new identity, of course. Yeah, don't give so, it away because twi- Twitter kicked you off twice. Go ahead. Right. So, so I was tweeting with friends, and um, and I got there was a tweet from a guy in Australia who was watching it at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's what time it came on there, live. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned the fact that he was already drinking. Then <laughs> <laughs> again, you don't drink for anything. But, um, uh, and I said, but this is an embarrassment around the world. I don't know what Donald Trump's strategy was just to dominate, um, to overtake this whole debate somehow he thought there was a winning strategy. I don't know, but it was an absolute disaster. Um, Biden, to his credit, didn't fall into the trap. He kept his dignity. You know, there were some really incredible moments, especially the fact when he was, he defended his sons. 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, Bo Biden and and um, and Hunter Hunter. Mm-hmm. Hunter Biden. That was a really great moment. The fact that that uh, Trump, not surprisingly, just couldn't really come to really um, come down a white supremacy. You know, just couldn't really figure out how to do that. Funny and funny how he's always seems to be able not to be able to do that. Um, and, uh, but from what I understand, as of an hour ago, Trump says, has said that he will not participate in the following two debates because of the changes that the debate board wants to make, which seems like basically it's an easy way just to get out. Wow. Okay. That, that's literally breaking news on the Ben Jarofsky show. See what happens, Sergio, is I get, uh, I'm on the show. I don't, I'm not, I'm doing one thing when I'm on this show. I'm talking uh, to Dennis or to my guests. I'm not paying attention to my uh, uh, computer or my cell phone. So I did not know that Trump had said that. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about that a lot tomorrow and uh, in the second interview I do uh, with Samina Mustafa, which drops at seven. But let's just look at this. Um, I'm really torn, uh, Sergio, and get your thoughts on this. And what Trump did on Tuesday was a strategy or just uh, the madness that the man has lost it. And so Donald Trump has gotten so used to proclaiming whatever he wants to proclaim, uh, generally through uh, Twitter or through rallies, and that I've started to think that he's just lost, he's lost connection to the world that actually exists, and he lives in his own bubble. And so it's it's a form of madness. So people are like, well, no, it's, he's got this strategy that he's following. And I'm like, well, I don't know if it's strategy anymore or just he has lost his mind. Um, well, to your point, I know there are people who keep saying, well, Trump is his master strategist and that he plays this three-dimensional chess and he has his kind of logic. No, he's a moron. He's a moron. You know, I you can't believe that Trump, Trump is this massive. Look, the guy is broke. He's a lousy businessman. We all know that. We've known that for decades, right? Why would you? Why would anybody think he's this master politician and strategist? Um, you could simply make the argument that simply. Well, first of all, the debate made clear he has um, no knowledge of anything. Mm. No knowledge of anything. He can't make an argument. Uh, he can't talk about policy. Even when they asked him about race, he immediately went into law and order. He doesn't know anything. He has no strategy. He has no logic. Right. So therefore, um, you can make you can say that what you saw um, on that debate was simply Trump being Trump, being himself. That's all he knows. Also, don't forget, he didn't have an audience this time. Mm. You know, he was out there naked by him. Well, get naked out of naked Trump <laughs> out of your mind. Yeah. He was out there by himself, right? He couldn't feed off an audience who you who you know whoop and yell at whatever he says, whatever stupid thing he says, whatever insult. So therefore, he was sort of adrift. 
at that uh, debate Tuesday night. Totally adrift. Um, and after that debate, well, I don't know. I just kept rolling my eyes. And be honest with you, I don't know how I made it. But the fact is that after the debate was over, I said to myself, I, I can't imagine and I can't imagine they're going to have two more debates. Well, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, and that gets to the point. So when I look about what happened on Tuesday, and I've said this so many times, the criticism of Chris Wallace, I don't know what Chris Wallace could have done any differently. He was dealing with a lunatic who was blatantly violating the rules. And then the commission, the presidential debate commission says, we're going to change the rules. I'm thinking, I don't know what you can do to change the rules. Uh, they say, well, turn off the mic. If Donald Trump is still talking, Biden can hear him. The moderator can hear him. We can kind of hear him because he'll be picked up. So he'll still be a distraction. He'll be picked up by the other mics. So it'll be still be a distraction. If one participant, in this case, Donald Trump, has de decided he won't abide by the rules and he yeah. will just use the debate as a forum to say whatever he wants, regardless of, you know, the segmented, uh, the way it's supposedly segmented, then I don't know what you can do. And now what? He's going to, he's always going to say, if you don't allow me to do whatever I want, I'm not going to participate. Is that what he's saying at the moment? Well, he just he tweeted today. Why would I allow the debate commission to set, to change the rules for the second and third debates when I easily won the last time? Okay, change the rules. Which is, you didn't abide by the rules, right? <laughs> Which is what he's doing. He's he's getting out. He's getting out. Yeah. Uh, as I said before, I think the second debate is. 22nd. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I really don't think they're going to happen. I think he's going to weasel his way out of it. His flunkies, people who, those Trump bites, they'll say it wasn't, if not him, it's a debate commission. Uh, they're trying to change the rules. Uh, it, it's, it's an easy excuse for him to get out. It's also an easy excuse for his supporters to use. So I think that's what's going to happen. All right, what I think about not the, going uh, to happen vice president? I got to believe that uh, Michael okay. Pence. Now, here's, the here's the thing. Uh, Kamala Harris has to be really careful because I know everybody thinks. Oh, comes on too hard. It comes up all these quips and all these things to put him down. It's going to be the angry black sassy woman against this poor white guy who's just a decent guy, and this one's going to walk all over him. She's got to be careful about that because she doesn't want to fall into that trap. Now, I'm sure she's smart enough not to do that, but she comes off as too over has prepared. If it sounds like her lines were already pre-written and pre-rehearsed, it may go against her. So that's what she's got to be careful. Wow, Sergio, about. just like yeah, he can be a really easy guy to just think about the double standards. But go ahead. Uh, the, the double standards and yeah, what you said. I mean, yeah, it is a double standard, right? It is. I, I mean, it. Donald Trump tra trashed every rule and every regulation and went uh, con 
interrupted Biden, mocked Biden, taunted Biden, made fun of his family, et cetera, and so forth. Just every protocol was trampled. He didn't have to worry about it, but Kamala Harris, because she's a black woman, has to worry about the public turning on her. That is a double standard. Yeah, it is. It is. And I make no bones about that. Yeah, it is a double standard. But we got to deal with reality. And that's something, you know, you put in that position. Now, it, it, now it was, if it was her against Trump, then that's a different story. Okay? But she's going against Pence, who, look, watching paint dry has more charisma than Pence. Okay? <laughs> so, um, that's a little tricky. You got to be careful about dealing with him because, uh, you know, st- uh, state your policy, debate the issues, but don't try to like shoot him down. Now he may give you an opportunity or something like that. Sure. Take it. But if you're constantly making him look foolish, that doesn't work well for her. Mm. Okay. Right, because she's a black woman. Let's be honest, right? That's really unfair. I I understand what you're saying. Uh, To a certain degree, it reminds me of what Hillary Clinton said uh, when she was explaining why she did not defy Donald Trump. Remember that moment at the town hall debate in 2016 where Donald Trump moved behind her. Do you remember that? And st- hovered over her. And she yeah. said, I, I knew he was there. I remember in her, uh, her interview with Howard Stern, not too long ago, she said, I knew he was there, but I knew that I couldn't, if I were to criticize his, uh, him having moved behind me, it would either, it would be taken the wrong way because I would either be, uh, admitting I was intimidated by him or uh, that I was looking too harsh, you know, as a woman, I was stepping out of the bounds. So she no, was, no, 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 there was, there was, I keep saying there was a really, really easy way to shoot him down. Really, really easy way to shoot him down. And all she had to do is when he was standing behind her, all she had to do is to take a look, like standing behind it. And then when she turned back to the camera, like roll her eyes, like, Oh brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's listen, uh, we uh, we're in a really precarious situation as a country and a civilization right now with Donald Trump, who is a lunatic uh, running our country. Uh, and th- just to talk, just think about what we're, we're, we're saying. He breaks every rule. He feels he feels like he has the right to break any rules. Just look how he does with his taxes. Everything about him is a fraud. And uh, he got a $72 million check from the government, which now the government wants back the refund check. And so it's like we're asking, well, how do you deal with him? How do you deal with a, a man who stands behind you, even though he's supposed to stand over there and allow you the moment on the stage? How do you deal with a man who interrupts you constantly like he did with Joe Biden, even though he's supposed to limit his his uh, comments to the two minute segment? Do you get what I'm saying, Sergio? It's like, how do we deal with a guy, a president who won't play by any rules, feels he's above it all? That. I don't even know why Hillary Clinton of the world and the Kamala Harris's of the world and the Joe Biden's of the world uh, have to have to deal with this. It should be the country should be rising up to say, you know what? You've broken the rules. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, then, right. 
when, when we debate over what they should have done, we're already conceding that he got away with it. That's the point I'm making. Yeah. Um, well, I keep, I keep thinking, you think there are a lot of Trump books that are out now? Just imagine what happens when he's gone. Just how many books are going to be written about this whole presidency? You know, he'll be the first president, perhaps in history, who will not have an official painting of him in the White House. Why would you have a painting of him, considering what he did to dis- almost practically destroy this country? Uh, who's going who's to donate money to a Trump library? Yeah. Will there be any books in it? Will any buildings be named after Trump? Any schools named after Trump? Any streets named after Trump? Nothing. And of course, by the way, for, don't fall for the okie doke about he he's not going to leave. Okay, that's um, a scare tactic. He's going to leave. As a matter of fact, Politico reported two weeks ago that the White House staff already has plans, a strategy, if to remove him. This is the White House staff to remove him. <laughs> yeah. He actually is, is going to hang on to the desk and refuse to leave. Even if it means he'll be taken out by fellow authorities, the Secret Service already has a plan to take him out of the White House because that's one of the things they have to do. If he refuses to leave, which would be absolutely ridiculous, the Secret Service already has a plan to physically remove him. Okay, I'm with you. That, and that's what. Joe, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so this whole thing about, well, I don't know if I may concede. I don't know this. I don't know that. No, forget that. That's the okie doke. He's a con man. He's been doing that his entire life. Yeah. He's a con man. Yeah. It's the okie doke. Right. Just like he announced the platinum plan. You know about this? The platinum plan, the five hundred dollar, the five hundred billion dollar plan that's going to help black people. You know, he announced it in uh, Atlanta a couple of days ago. You know, the platinum plan sounds like a credit card. See, I name it the credit card. Black people go for it. The platinum plan is a five hundred billion dollar plan. You think that's for real? Of course not. It's the okie doke. All right, let me, uh, this is, you raised this issue, like get your thoughts on this. Uh, the platinum plan has appealed to black people. We discuss this on the show all the time. In your humble opinion. Yeah. How much support will Donald Trump get from black Americans? Right now he's pulling at 7%. Last poll I saw, pulling at 7%. I think that's too high. You know, he'll get he'll get the vote of David Cameron, that that uh, uh, district attorney in uh, Louisville. Mm-hmm. He'll get his vote. He'll probably get Tim Scott's vote. He'll probably get some black people vote. And when I mean black people, I mean men, almost primarily men. And then there may be we go into discussion of why that is. But no. No, he's not. I, I've been hearing stories like he's up to 15 percent bullshit. No, he's come on. 50%. No, come on. <laughs> yeah. 15. I, saw some guy, I don't know if you know this guy, Jason Miller. Jason Miller is one of his um, 
one of his spokesmen. You may see him all the time on TV. Mm-hmm. White guy, really round face, yeah. round head. You know, a guy who admitted that he likes to go to prostitutes. A guy who uh, had an affair with another woman during the 2016 campaign. The woman got pregnant and she's suing him for child support. The same guy who was with another woman, she got uh, got pregnant. He slipped an abortion pill in her Slurpee. This is the same guy who's still a spokesman for the Trump campaign. This guy, right? He said mm-hmm. yesterday that Trump is pulling a 15 percent. No, well, I'm going to trust a guy who goes to prostitutes that uh, Trump has 15 percent of the vote. I- Black vote. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, in the last election, and this is what I always do, I have this argument with people because they believe in polls. Uh, the last election, I take a look at the black wards of Chicago where you, you can really isolate the black vote. And I point this out time and time again. He was lucky if he got 2%. He was lucky if he got 2%. And I don't think he's going to get that this time. Well, uh, well here's the thing. Um, a, a couple of things. First of all, um, what... Biden has to do is to get the black vote that didn't come out in 2016. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton in 2016 lost 6% of the black yeah. vote. 6% six, six of the black vote went down. I mean, I mean, I mean the, the black vote was down 6% right. in 2016 from 2012, right? Because mainly people, black voters who didn't care for any, for any candidate. All right. Um, that 6% may have cost her the election. Probably, it probably did. That's 6%. I could say the same thing happened to Pat Quinn. When Pat Quinn lost, it's yes. because the black vote went down that yep. year. And he lost to Routner. Okay. Mm-hmm. That black vote is still incredibly important. Don't let anybody say <laughs> it's not. So, therefore, uh, Biden has to get that has to get that vote back. Now, I think he can because... Um, it's the people are saying we can't take four more years of this. I think people who did not vote in 2016, many of them are come to realization. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Look what happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, that's what Biden has to do. Forget trying to convert the Trump voters. Absolutely. They're lost. They're lost. Right. Get that vote. Uh, people who did not come out in 2016. The last prediction I saw, which is of Nate Silver, has Biden winning the overwhelming majority of the Electoral College. I think Trump has something like 170 and Biden has all the rest. Mm. He has Biden winning Iowa. He has well, Biden he has Biden winning Florida, Pennsylvania, uh, Virginia, all the way to the East Coast and most of the West. I still hold to my prediction that Biden can win Utah. I think he can pull off Utah. Well, you got Utah and Monroe's got Alabama. He doubled down with Alabama yesterday uh, when he was on the show. I'm doubling down on Utah. I think Biden could pull off Utah. (laughs) 
Now, if Biden wins Utah, I, I just don't see that happening in a million years, Sergio Mills. Okay, I know. The last presidential candidate, I'm sorry, Democratic candidate who won Utah was Johnson. Yeah. I had to look that up. With Johnson, right? Okay. Trump is putting in a lot of money in Utah. He has no, okay, his campaign is broke, but they're putting in a lot of money into Utah because trying to get their Mormon vote. Right. They wouldn't do that if they didn't feel that Utah was in trouble. If Utah, Fair enough. I will. Utah, Utah's in trouble if, if they're putting a lot of money into Utah. But Mormons do not mistake Mormons for evangelicals. That's what people do. They're not. It's a different thing altogether. Yeah. And Mormons on the whole do not like Trump. They do well, not. We, it, to your point, the one Republican senator who voted uh, an impeachment for impeachment uh, was Mitt Romney. And uh, he's a Mormon from Utah. So that sort of underscores the point you're making to take it to the next step and say, Utah is going to go for Biden. I got, uh, I have to see that uh, to believe it. Well, Anyways. well, well, you know, I, I got a bet with Monroe and Monroe has a bet with me. So we may cancel each other out. I don't know. Yeah. Well, but, no, we're all going to get together when, uh, when the, when the pandemic's over uh, and uh, celebrate Biden's victory, because I believe Biden will win this election. Yeah. And um, I believe ultimately I'm just going to follow up on a point you made about black voters Essentially, the black voters in the Democratic Party chose Biden. You and I, you came on this show so many times throughout the summer of 2019. In the fall, we would be talking about the primary as we followed it. And it I just remember various conversations as we uh, like which candidate would be best beat to, to be Trump. But this is not the other thing. When black people got to vote, that's when Biden was essentially victorious right yeah. when yeah. when uh, new hampshire was done okay and iowa was done when right. black people don't vote all of a sudden biden started to win so right. i gotta believe that the black vote will be strong in this election for joe biden well, a million people have voted already a million people have voted already in this country i saw that today a million people have voted wow. uh, i think it was illinois political um, and, and so that's a sign of what's going to happen. Yeah, That's a real sign of what's going to happen. I think this could be the biggest turnout, voter turnout. That's the other thing, too. Uh, Trump trying to scare people that they're going to steal the election and everything. Once again, it's the okie doke. It's a fake, yeah. right? To convince people, the, the idea is that to convince Democratic voters, well, why am I going to vote? Because they're going to steal it anyway. Yeah. Don't fall for it. By the way, are you voting by uh, in person or by mail? In person. Are you? A, I didn't hear you. Did you say in person by or by yeah, mail? In person. Oh, yeah. oh, you got to go in person. Okay, me too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. And then, here's the other thing too. Um, the Senate races. This is going to be remarkable. Collins in Maine is out. Gardner in Colorado is out. Joni Erst. In, in Iowa is out. Wow. Meg Sally, she might as well pack her bags now. She's gone, right? Uh, the the, the uh, Democrats are definitely going to take the Senate. Me, what, why even have the election? I just want to go with your predictions. <laughs> <laughs> just, 
Sergio calls it. All right, Sergio, we got to go. We're uh, out of time. Thank you so much. Black Harvest Film Festival. Uh, and the next time you hear Sergio's voice in this show, we'll probably be doing the deep dive on the Chicago 7 movie. Uh, I, I'm probably going to watch it as soon as it comes out and uh, urge Sergio to do the same. God, if we both hate it, so what? We can still talk about the trial and everything else. So let's just make a date to do that. Sergio right. Mims, Black Harvest Film Festival. Thanks so much. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, sure. Uh, and uh, D, you got any uh, updates for me before we head out that door? Uh, absolutely. I do have some updates here. Take it easy, Sergio. You are the man. Always a great interview. Okay. Yes, we do have some updates here. We have another 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. But before we do that, we have to talk about this press briefing just held by our Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Now, just like Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker, this afternoon, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot laid out the city's Halloween plans amidst this damn dirty coronavirus. Only, unlike the governor, Lori Lightfoot delivered these plans in a Halloween costume. Ben, I actually sent you a text. Uh, if you could check that out right now. Uh, it's, a picture, oh my God. it's a picture of Lori Lightfoot in her Halloween costume. You is see that, that Lori Lightfoot? That's Lori, yes, it is. That's Lori Lightfoot. She did this today. Uh, her Halloween costume, she's a Rona defender. She has a cape <laughs> on. She's got Lysol uh, in her, on, her, on her side there. Uh, she's uh, wearing a mask. Yeah, Rona defender. Ben, she took your idea for Halloween. <laughs> you know what? She, I, Lori Lightfoot is going to be mayor of Chicago as long as she wants to. She does stuff like this. People like this stuff, D. North side. Uh-oh. Wait, hold on. I open my windows. They're cheering in the north side. Lori. Lori. <laughs> they love Lori Lightfoot. She does stuff like this. That's like this is like a throwback to those uh public service announcements that she did. Remember those? Oh, you know, yeah. With the guitar. Oh, and she, yeah. Then of course she, she violated all the rules by going to get her haircut. Whatever. Everyone listening to this right now should actually try to look this up. Uh, it should be on the Sun-Times website and there is a video. Wait, wait, we put it on our Facebook page, a caption contest. Okay. Well, maybe that is a good idea. We haven't done uh, that in uh, years. I think we... Uh, <laughs> it's a lot different yeah. on a podcast than it is a radio show, but you know, yeah. we'll try it. It's a valid point, young man. What the hell? Let's do it. Good idea, Ben. That was a that was a show meeting we just had there for all you guys. Yeah, that's that's a, that's just a sample, folks, of what happens every day at a pre-show meeting on the Ben Jarowski show. Yeah, this one actually went more smoothly than most of them. Uh, but be on the lookout, everybody, for uh, on the Facebook page for our caption contest: Lori Lightfoot in her costume. Uh, like I said, there is video on ABC 7s Facebook page. I have some audio we're going to play. Uh, we're going to play that in a moment. But yes, while wearing rubber gloves, a cape. And a lone <laughs> ranger mask. Lori Lightfoot announced Chicago's plans for this Halloween season. Uh, before she spoke, the mayor uh, also handed out candy out of a pumpkin bucket to those present at the press conference. I believe in the video, uh, NBC5's Carol Maureen uh, got a Kit Kat bar. Lucky her. <laughs> you made that up. You just wanted to do Obama saying Kit Kat bar. Uh, Kit Kat bar. Uh, but no, I think Lori Lightfoot did hand someone some candy that looked like Carol Maureen. I don't know if it was a Kit Kat you know bar. There's something secret about reporters. You give a reporter free food, they're yours for life. <laughs> Those old baseball reporters covering the Cubs, they used to be free food. You go to a Cub game, they free, oh, free food. <laughs> Give a reporter free food. Man, reporters love free food. Remember the old days when we were at the Bright One D? Oh, my and, God. Uh, they never gave it to us, but they would have their parties. 
all of a sudden reporters would be like free food they got like a little detector dee, 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 dee. Oh, i remember i remember one time it was like our first month there uh sometimes they were doing like a video like a cooking video they shoot like cooking videos at this place oh, yeah, and they had like tons of food just like laid out there was like pop tarts like chips like all kinds of awesome snacks and my broke ass walks in there and i'm like oh look at these and i just like take a bunch of them they like slam the door they were so upset with me like who is this bastard yeah that I was me who, that, those weren't the the <laughs> i remember you go telling me that story i don't know who those people were uh but uh, yeah but if they bring it out to the newsroom oh my god oh yeah it's like hordes of reporters coming out of nowhere like, oh, give me at that food. You're learning a lot today on uh, ben, on the Ben Jarofsky show. Reporters are pigs, all right? That's what we're <laughs> no, They love free food. Free? Wait a minute. Hold on. Let me get this straight. You're telling me the food is free? Yes, free. Uh, that's free as an F-R-E-E. I don't have to pay for it? Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> all right, so- actually, you know what? In defense of reporters, I don't know how alone they are. Just in general, humanity. You Free food? Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Make sure there's no strings attached here. Free? It is free. Oh, boy. Free food. All right. Let's talk about the details here on City Hall's Mm. plan uh, for Halloween. They're calling it Hollow Week. It will begin Monday, October 26th, and trick-or-treating can start then and continue through Halloween. Groups going door-to-door are asked to keep moving. No congregating! And (laughs) Did it say that, really? Uh, Asked to keep moving and keep it small to six people or less. Costumed kids and adults who accompany them are required to wear a mask that covers their Mm -hmm. nose and mouth beneath any Halloween mask. Uh, Homes welcoming trick-or-treaters are asked to leave a light on or hang a Halloween sign in their windows to let the ghouls and goblins know that they're handing out candy safely they're not doing like an inspection if they're doing it safely so we're just you know trusting everybody to hand it out safely uh anyone handing out candy also must wear a mask they're advised to provide hand sanitizer and maintain six feet of social distance uh let's see here uh house parties no matter the size are strictly prohibited so are traditional haunted houses uh, let's see, we have some uh, bullet points here. It says Halloween on the block. That's something that's going to be going on. It features surprise pop-ups on residential streets. The week-long program is co-sponsored by Xfinity, the Chicago Police Department, the Chicago Bulls, your favorite, Ben, and, oh, yeah. well, not your favorite, the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, let's see, it says here the... Ho- I, I don't have anything against the Blackhawks. I mean, wait, 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 let me just nip that one in the bud. I don't have anything against them, just... Not a hockey fan. Uh, Just hockey in general. Uh, Halloween-themed virtual and in-person programs throughout the week uh, will be taking place at park district facilities and public libraries. It says here 10,000 bags filled with candy and other treats distributed throughout the week by Bloomer Chocolate Company. Some Mm. bags will include golden tickets that can be redeemed for a 10-pound bar of Bloomer's Chocolate. (laughs) Whoa. Los Los Angeles County has banned trick-or-treating this Halloween, but Lightfoot was not about to do the same. 
Maybe she should have. She loves the holiday and knows it is an important moment for many, including the kids in her neighborhood. Uh, the mayor said she's determined to avoid mass crowds trick-or-treating uh, like have in years past. So there we go, Ben. We got, a, we got a Halloween plan. I know you were worried about that, but that's the Halloween plan for uh, Chicago. Now, I do have some audio here. Uh, now, I, we don't have video, so I'm not giving it any justice. But uh, go check this out, everybody. Here's a little bit of audio uh, from Mayor Lightfoot. <clears throat> so guess what we're here to talk about today? In her mask. <clears throat> uh, good afternoon, everyone, and happy October 1st. <clears throat> I'd like to begin by uh, acknowledging my partner in crime, uh, Dr. Allison Artery, the Commissioner of Public Health. She's also dressed up. And thanks to the sufficient progress we've made in the fight against COVID-19, earlier this week we announced that we begin easing some Phase 4 restrictions on our businesses, which start today. All right, the audio is not giving it any justice. you got to go check out the video, everybody. Lori Lightfoot dressed up giving her uh, conference on what the hell we are going to do this Halloween. All right, moving on. It's time for yet another 2020 general election candidate update. There's the brown line. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. All right. Today we have not one, but two ads to play for all of you. These ads come out of the 13th Congressional District rematch between incumbent Rodney Davis and his Democratic challenger, Betsy Dirksen Londrigan. And if you've been hearing a light whimpering noise all day, well, it's coming all the way from downstate in the 13th District because Rodney Davis is shaking in his boots or Mm -hmm. his loafers or his sneakers. Or whatever kind of shoes he wears. Listen, the point is Rodney Davis is scared, okay? (laughs) Yeah, he is. And what does a scared incumbent Republican candidate in Illinois do when there's 33 days until Election Day? We all know the answer. All together now, everyone. They trash their opponent by calling them a lobbyist or linking them to Mike Madigan. Nice work, everybody. And that's exactly what this first ad does. Let's uh, let's listen here. It's the first latest ad from Rodney Davis. Oh, wait, I'm going to play. Oh, oh, no, I got to get the audio. Ben, stall, stall. Tell everybody about Rodney Davis. Well, Rodney Davis coming from the 13th Congressional District. I, I when you said when you started doing the introduction, 13th Congressional, by the way, is a district that the conceivably the Democrats can win. Betsy Dirksen Londrigan came very close to winning it uh, in 2018. The University of uh, Illinois is down there. Uh, so you know, pending where students vote, uh, that could be a Democratic uh, district, the one that Democrats uh, could win. So Rodney Davis, got to watch it. Can't go too MAGA because he needs to win over uh, some independent-minded voters or maybe some, even some Democrats. But he can't. Uh, dare to criticize uh, Trump because, you know, the base, his base vote is MAGA vote. So it's that delicate walk that Demo- uh, Republicans find themselves doing is try to maintain some credibility uh, in an age where their party has no credibility because it's signed on with a corrupt demagogic lunatic. There you go, D. 
Nice stalling. Good job. Up top, my man. Yes. All right. Let's hear the new ad from Ronnie Davis. By the way, sanitize your hands. Betsy Dirksen Londrigan sure knows a lot of lobbyists. Betsy was a lobbyist and political fundraiser tied to corrupt politicians. Betsy's husband, another lobbyist. He worked as a top aide to Rod Blagojevich. Yikes. Ooh. Betsy's campaign is bankrolled by her lobbyist friends. She's taken thousands from lobbyists under federal investigation for corruption and a rape cover-up. Lobbyist family, lobbyist friends, lobbyist money. That's Betsy Dirksen Lonfrigan. The NRCC is responsible for the content of this advertising. Can I, wait, can I just comment on that ad for a moment, please? Yeah, I was hoping you would. What, what a crock of beep. Are you kidding me? Rodney Davis? Rod Blagojevich, yikes. <laughs> Rob Blagojevich, you mean former governor Rob Blagojevich who went to prison, uh, got sentenced for like 14 years and was let out of prison by Donald John Trump? That Rob Blagojevich? Rob Blagojevich who goes around campaigning on behalf of Donald Trump? That Rob Blagojevich? Rob Blagojevich who is like the headliner, I don't understand this, at a fundraiser called Blacks for Blagojevich? I don't know why... <laughs> Why he's there, but he's there. That Rob Bogoyevich? I mean, Rob Bogoyevich, who's pals with Donald Trump? You're trying to use that Rob Bogoyevich against Betsy Dirksen Londrigan? You guys are so... Talk about a mixed message. There, a lot of MAGA voters will be down there. Wait, wait a minute. I kind of like Rob Bogoyevich. He blago. He supports Donnie. He's a Trumpocrat. I'm a Trumpocrat. Yeah. The Trumpocrat, that's right. Man, Republicans, you better redo that one. Just say it, Ronnie Davis. And then that yikes, 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 oh, yikes. What? Blagojevich supports Trump. Trump supports Blagojevich. You can't have it both ways. Man, they must think MAGA is dumb. Well, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to hold back. Be nice. And then the rape thing? Uh, hello, Rodney Davis. Hello, Republicans. Donald John Trump has been accused of rape. E. Jean Carroll is her name. She made the accusations. Got a lawsuit right now. Donald Trump has brought in William Barr and the Justice Department to defend him. Hello. What a bunch of frauds. But wait, there's more. Oh, Our next no. ad features a nurse. And it's always smart to take advice from a nurse, right? Medical and political. Uh, like Rodney Davis, this nurse is also expressing her concerns if Dirksen Londrigan were to win this election. Here is ad number two from incumbent Republican Rodney Davis. Find Rodney Davis at his favorite 13th Congressional District barred nervously downing shots of whiskey in three, <laughs> two, one. As a nurse, I want the best care for my patients. That's why I won't vote for Betsy Londrigan. Londrigan supports a government-run health insurance plan that could force rural hospitals to close and take away your choice of doctors. Betsy Londrigan's liberal plans would jeopardize your family's care. Rodney Davis is fighting to strengthen rural hospitals and protect those with pre-existing conditions. Rodney Davis is on our side. I'm Rodney Davis and I approve this message. Oh, man. I, I, I've heard that one. That that one is maybe even more bogus than the other one. Like, where'd they find this nurse? At a I mean, hospital? hello, nurses. <laughs> where? At a hospital? I don't know. 
<laughs> just a guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Maybe she's not really a nurse. Like, hello, nurse. Who do you think pays most of your bills? Well, government's funded healthcare. Ever heard of Medicare? Ever heard of Medicaid? Hello, nurse. Well, I wouldn't want the government paying for anything. Just our private, private health insurances. Donald Trump is trying to destroy, and the Republicans are trying to destroy Obamacare. Like, why would you try to use health care? No, I know, because their opinion, why would you use health care to promote a Republican? You know why? Because you have such a low opinion of MAGA. I always talk about Chicago politicians have a low opinion of voters in Chicago, which they do. Rahm Emanuel's commercials when he was running for re-election showed that he had utter contempt for Chicago voters, thought they were idiots. And when they re-elected him, they kind of supported that notion that Rahm had. Rahm, these voters are so freaking stupid. All I'm going to do is put us, watch this, guys. I'm going to put a sweater on and they're going to vote for me. Even though I close schools and clinics, watch, I'm going to put the sweater on. I'm going to put the sweater on and say, I've changed. I own being a total jerk. And the voters, oh, sounds good to me. I'll vote for them. So I guess Republicans think MAGA voters are as dumb as Chicago voters. I guess that's, I guess that's their opinion. Oh, I'm a MAGA voter downstate. I could vote for the Democrat that's trying to, I don't know, have health care for everybody, health insurance for everybody, or I could vote for the Republicans who are trying to destroy it. Hmm, I'll vote for the Republicans, even though they're trying to destroy it. Yeah, I remember this nurse commercial day. I remember it the last time. I think I had the same reaction. It's like, that was your reaction last time? I like this reaction better than the last one. This one uh, had words. Oh, oh hey, by the way, thing. Mayor Rahm, yikes. Mayor Rahm wants to weigh in. Take a chill pill, man. Chill out. Okay, sorry. Chill man. out. Oh, yeah, come on, man. I put the sweater on. People fell for it. Come on. I'm smart, huh? You're not. Hi, I'm Rodney Davis, and I'm scared shitless. And that was <laughs> your 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Uh, ben, hand me that bottle. Yeah! <laughs> uh, D. Rabokovich, yikes. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Message to Rodney Davis. Uh, you and Blago are allies. Oh, <laughs> on the Donnie Trump team. A message to Rodney Davis. Ooh. Now, our live stream chat listener, uh, Radio Doogie, does have a simple request for you. But first, I want to remind everybody to find us on social media uh-huh. at Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. Leave us a message. Uh, if you'd like us to read your comment on the air, put your name and where you're from. You can lie. We won't know. You could be a fake name and where you're from. We won't know. You know what I mean? It just makes it sound good for a podcast. You know what I mean? And you can leave us a voicemail. Yes, we have a phone number, 708-658-4788. That number again, 
888-789-4788. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show. We're not going to answer, but leave us a voicemail. There's a good chance we'll play that voicemail on the program. And be sure to check out uh, our weekend Benny J bonus interviews. Uh, we're doing Samina Mustafa tonight, but we're going to save that for the weekend. Right, Ben? Yes, sir. All right. Sabine so Mustafa will drop that this weekend. We're getting started on our Benny J bonus interviews. Find out the rest of the lineup tomorrow. And be sure to check out uh, our last night, uh, a drop from last night, Atiba Buchanan, host of Buchanan and Seton on WVON. He came on the program, talked all things about the debate between Biden and Trump, a debate if you call it that. I don't know what it was really. It's more like a shit show clobber match. But uh, go check that out as well. Available to both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast ben radio doogie has a simple request before we roll out of here he wants a table bang (laughs) all right wait rodney davis come on now hell yeah republicans are smarter than that Mm. (laughs) there you go doogie oh there you go oh my two of them (laughs) <laughs> to him. Uh, anyway, I want to thank uh, Sergio Mims. Outstanding job, as he always does when he comes on the show, Black Harvest Film Festival. We'll get more details uh, about when they start dropping that movies. A couple of that, that brown paper bag sounds pretty good, and Outside Story sounds like a good flick. And also, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible, as Sergio Mims will tell you, and as Mayor Lori Lightfoot would tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. I'm a Trumpocrat. Trumpocrat, that's right. Bullshit, it's bullshit. Take a chill pill, man. 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 I'm a Trumpocrat. I'm a Trumpocrat. I'm a Trumpocrat. I'm a Trumpocrat.